This is Paul Nobles from Eat and Form. I am here with April Blackford. April, do you want to say hi to everyone? Hi, everybody. So this is, we, we actually finally came into, what, the 21st century and figured out a way to podcast. So um, we're probably going to somewhere down the line call this the Your Diet Sucks podcast because I am really attached to that name, and so is the rest of the staff. We all seem to like that. Um, but for now, this will be the Eat and Reform podcast, and this week what we're going to do is talk about uh, MyFitnessPal and meal planning in an effort to try and help you know some people with some ideas uh, that are just starting off to Eat and Reform. And so this is the third class of of the getting started most of the stuff previous to this was just kind of establishing a base of you know how we think about eating and then also how we're thinking about exercising and so this is sort of the mechanics of you know pretty much using a food log um, foods that you want to have quickly available I think one of the things one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that when I first started Eat to Perform, I was vehemently against recipes. Um, and the reason why I was vehemently against recipes was because it basically just makes things too complicated in an unnecessary fashion. And so if you look at the way that I eat, it tends to be fairly mechanical, pretty simplistic. And then usually on the weekends, you know, that's when my variety comes in and stuff like that but you know in general my meals um tend to be pretty simple april your meals are pretty simple but but they tend to be more evolved can you talk to people about what what your meals look like in the meals for your family because you have older kids younger kids the whole the whole gamut a lot of kids no <laughs> um i actually was having this conversation with someone today and, and basically said the exact same thing that you said that, you know, during the week, um, fairly simplistic on the weekends is when I would do, you know, like a complicated like beef wellington or, you know, kind of go all out on a recipe. Um, I'm similar to you. I, I keep things simple, but I do keep some variety. So, you know, I will keep because the key for me is just not getting bored. And I'm the type that I can eat something, you know, like I can eat chicken two days in a row. But after that, uh, it's got to go. Um, so I kind of keep some rotation in where I have three or four different fairly easy to prepare protein sources, um, a variety of different greens and a variety of carbohydrate sources. And then you mix and match and rotate everything. And then that way you're not, you don't get so bored. So in your example, what would you say that are, are, are staples? Cause I, I'll just say like my two meals that I cook, um, I always like to have some steak, you know, a lot of people make a big deal of, you know, should it be grass fed? Should it not be? I tend to buy grass fed, right? Um, but, uh, if I didn't buy grass fed, I would just buy lean. And I don't think that necessarily, um, there's a huge advantage one way or the other, but I think, you know, quality of meats does matter a little bit. And since I can afford it, that's what I do. So I like to have steak in the fridge. Um, I do cook typically three pounds of ground beef. Uh, like this week, as an example, I cooked, uh, uh, I used half of it for chili. Actually, I think I still have some chili, which is nice. You know, chili and rice tends to be kind of a go-to for me um, for a quick meal. Um, but having ground beef is really easy. I mean, you can mix that in mashed potatoes, have a salad, and boom, you have a, you have a meal. My daughters actually are vegetarian, and so they tend to cook their own meals. They 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 go for things like Greek yogurt. Um, uh, couscous is a big one that they use. Quinoa, and so um, they're actually very very big into cooking. They will use. Um, uh, tofu on occasion, like especially for like faux taco meat and stuff like that. Um, but in general, they they get their their protein from from milk, 
um, I don't think that they do eggs, but I'm not, I'm not completely sure about that. Um, but certainly peanut butter, things of that nature. So that like the typical, um, stuff that vegetarians will get through their, um, protein sources. The other thing, and, and it's sort of legendary at this point is the crock pot chicken, which, you know, I remember putting out there, this crock pot chicken thing will change your life. And I only said that because it changed my life. You know, I mean, basically you just throw either chickens or I use breasts. Have you done thighs before? Yeah, thighs are actually a lot juicier. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've been wanting to do thighs, um, but I've typically done breast, which, you know, works real well. Um, obviously, chicken and rice, usually some type of broth. You can have like almost like a soup thing. Um, certainly with salads, it ends up being good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think with, with a combination of ground beef and chicken, you can throughout the week basically have a lot of quick go-to meals. And, um, is it exciting? You know, I don't know if exciting would describe it well. Um, but it is stuff that I like and I much prefer to have food available rather than not have food available. Um, the other thing, you know, and I guess I'm sort of getting into my top 10 list. Um, first of all, like if you don't know this and you're listening to this on a podcast, we also do this on YouTube so you can check and see what, you know, April and I look like as we're talking and waving our hands throughout the, the broadcast. But uh, what we're talking about is the meal planning group that we have through Eat to Perform. And basically, the coaches all have specific days where we – I just realized, by the way, that I missed my day last week. Um, and then this week, it's going to be on my birthday, so I'm probably not going to do this week either. Um, your, your birthday would be the most awesome day to do it on. No, no, I don't think it would be. <laughs> um, the uh, no, I do like I do like showing people that they can eat relatively flexible. <laughs> I started taking pictures of this weekend. This weekend, we went out with uh, friends. Um, my wife and I have two friends that we go out. They, they're two women. Um, one that my wife used to work with, and then um, one of her friends. And her friend is actually in the um, restaurant business here in Minneapolis, which has a very, you know, active restaurant scene. And so we went to a fancy restaurant on Friday night, got a bunch of pictures. Um, but this whole weekend ended up being kind of restaurant and enjoy yourself weekend. So, so that was kind of fun. Um, the... Uh, you know, the workouts, I mean, for my workouts, you know, I ended up having to do my long endurance on, on Saturday. So actually, um, it sort of fit really well. But in terms of like my go-tos, my go-tos are pretty simple. It's like, you know, like a, the chicken, ground beef steak, uh, white rice. And, and like I said, all this is available. I think, I think something like 15 coaches have like their top 10 list. We also have a dra drag and drop planner. I don't know if, um, if everybody's using that yet, but if you haven't signed up for that, that is really cool to use and a lot of fun. Um, but mine, uh, you know, April's drinking kombucha. Kombucha is one of mine that I like to have. Uh, you know, it's good for digestion. Um, I like it because it's filling. It's great. You know, like I'll have it with popcorn as an example. Um, some of my other go-tos are like dark chocolate macadamia nuts. Um, I always like to have that one available. Um, Air pop popcorn, um, things of that nature, and just just these little little you know. I mean, the thing that I like about the popcorn is you can get some volume. I think you can get something like eight cups of popcorn for two hundred and eighty calories or something like that. And so if you know, I'm not necessarily looking to keep my calories low, but but sometimes I eat two bigger meals a day. Not suggesting that everyone should do that. I'm just suggesting that that works for me. Um, and but I do have some level of snacking. 
Um, actually, you know what? I don't think that that's technically true anymore because I do the oatmeal in the morning, and I've been doing the oatmeal with like a Quest bar, and uh, uh, I've been putting peanut butter and sometimes honey in there, and so um, so that ends up being good. So for your go-tos, what would you say your go-tos are? Um, for me, I'm not big on leftovers. Um, some things I'll eat leftover, like if I cook cook a big batch of chicken breasts on the grill or something, I'll eat those for a couple of days. But for the most part, the key for me is having something that I can make in like 30 minutes or less. Um, so I'll usually do, I usually do the chicken breasts or the chicken tenderloins. I do a lot of lean ground beef. Um, I do a lot of turkey, turkey loins. I do a lot of turkey chops and seafood. Seafood is like the easiest that with the with the regular proteins in general you have to thaw it out you know I have to remember in the morning and actually thaw it out or like with seafood you know like tonight I had um, wild shrimp for dinner and you know basically I just you know took out however much I was going to eat threw it in a Ziploc bag and put it in some cold water in the sink and it was thawed out in five minutes and it literally takes five minutes to cook. Um, so having a variety of protein is is kind of key for me. And the carb sources, I'm kind of like you, fairly basic white rice, um, sweet potatoes, quinoa. Sometimes I'll do the wild rice um, blend. Um, I have a couple of tricks that I do, like with the rice, sometimes I'll spend a little bit more. I usually go to the Asian market and buy like a 50 pound bag of jasmine rice um, and cook it in the rice cooker. But sometimes I'm lazy and I'll do the, um, the successful in the bag jasmine rice or the basmati because it has exactly two servings in every bag and it literally takes 10 minutes to cook you drain it and it's like the best rice ever so you don't have to go through the trouble of weighing and all that stuff because you know exactly how much is in there um sweet potatoes the trick with that is i'll cook in the microwave and then finish it in the oven and it tastes like it's been cooked for an hour and a half um for Veggies, I'll usually do, I usually have like three or four different varieties like asparagus or I'll have um, Brussels sprouts or I have been big lately on at Trader Joe's the um, Crucifus Crunch, basically the kale Brussels sprouts blend, all that stuff and saute that up in coconut oil. That's really good. Um, but just for me in general is having a variety. Um, I started going back to rather than I started kind of testing with um, different blends, making the soft serve ice cream with the Trader Joe's, the white coconut milk, and they have the um, the wild green figs in the frozen section, the organic figs. The fig coconut ice cream is really, really good. So I've been kind of playing around. Basically, I have the coconut milk, and then I'll have pineapple or blueberries or wild berries or figs, or and then that way you can have a different flavor every day. So, so now, do you do a lot of whey protein? I do it post-workout, and if I get busy in the afternoons, um, I'll drink a shake just to boost it if I see I'm going to fall short. But that is, it is a staple to for me to have because I don't do dairy and I don't do gluten, obviously. Now, if I did dairy, um, it would be much, much easier because, of course, you have the Greek yogurt you know, the, like the lower sodium cottage cheese, you know, which I think cottage cheese kind of tastes disgusting. But if you blend it in um, a food processor with some frozen fruit, it actually tastes like soft serve ice cream. And you can put a half a scoop of protein powder in there as well. Yeah, I mean, that is one of the tricks that we often teach people is, you know, protein powder with yogurt, things of that nature tends to be pretty positive um, and most people like it you know like if you do like peanut butter protein um, you will um, you know a lot of people think that that's like you know in Greek yogurt is sort of like pudding um, the uh, I don't really do a lot of whey protein I, I've actually done a little bit more um, trying to get in some fast loading carbohydrates um, late, later in the evening and so we we can talk about that in a little bit, but um, the uh, that's actually something that April um, kind of coaxed me into, and and uh, thankfully she did. Um, well, we can go into it right now; it's not that big of a deal. But um, usually, if you're struggling getting in carbohydrates, uh, one of the little tricks that we teach people is um, some level of fast carbohydrates through cereal through breakfast cereal so like 
uh, Fruity Pebbles, Cocoa Pebbles, Captain Crunch, um, you know, all manner of things like that. And so, you know, is it is it necessary? Um, I used to do like uh, coconut milk smoothies, trying to stick with like a um, you know a healthier healthier version. Uh, but I have to say, like, well, my fats were starting to get a little higher. And so this gave me another way to get an additional amount of carbohydrates. But what's probably most important about it, and then I do it, I do it in whey protein. Otherwise, normally I, I wouldn't. Um, I don't do it in milk. I don't do well with dairy. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of people don't. But um, certainly uh, you would get more protein for um, your buck through whey protein and cereal. And so that ends up being, um, like I said, an option if you're looking for more, more carbohydrates. People tend to focus, like if you're relatively new to eat to perform, it might shock you because you know, everyone's so anti-sugar. Um, frankly, I don't eat that much sugar throughout the day so it ends up being sort of like a dessert um but any any thoughts on that because i know you know um, well, I think the, the key component that that you felt to mention was just the game changer on sleep you know and that's why you know and again you know i'm the top that i'll do something for a period of time and then i get bored and then i need to change it type thing with cereal i'll probably have maybe 10 different varieties um but sometimes i want to do the the ice cream round like or the sorbet or whatever things like that but i can tell you that Time and time again, the even though I'm kind of off my cereal kick and I don't feel like eating it, the my sleep is just so much better, you know, with the cereal. And I would like to say that I found some treasures um, this past weekend that I don't. You probably remember this, Paul. This stuff was out in like the '70s. Um, the Count Chocula. I got all three flavors: the Count Chocula, the Blueberry, and the Frankenberry is back. <laughs> all three flavors. <laughs> Are you trying to say I'm old? No, I, I'm I'm old. I remember it when I was little. It's all back. All of it's back. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like, I'm insulted, but um, but no, I mean, I I think that you know, one one of the things that people like about Eat Perform is that they get to eat a little bit more flexibly. I think a lot of people, if you're coming from a um, you know, inflexible background, or you've eaten you know, with a rigid, naughty, and nice list and stuff like that. Um, and, and let's say that you started, you know, Eat to Perform, and you were eating twelve to 1,300 calories. It might be a while before you want to try the cereal trick, right? Because, you know, your body's going to be relatively inflexible in the beginning, and you may never need that many carbohydrates, and that may never feel right for you. I think one of the things that's sort of interesting, and we always get this like in the comments, you, you don't see this much, but, but we see this a lot in the advertisements we do where people ask, you know, well, what if I eat paleo or what if I eat vegetarian or what if I eat? And what people don't understand about Eat Perform is that you could basically eat any way you want. The, the general idea, though, is that we all have a metabolic number that our body wants to be at and we all perform better as you know human beings um pursuing more right and that doesn't mean that you would never eat less it just means that um the majority of the time you're going to try and and um seek that that normalization that that stabilized uh, stabilize, stabilizing of the system that just is going to make you feel better. And most people report that, you know, once again, you know, when their body's being fed an adequate amount of food, they, they feel, you know, less fatigued, more energy for their workouts, more energy throughout the day. And, um, and so all those things tend to be pretty positive. And then also the, um, their relationship with food tends to change. You know, what What I think that we've sort of seen over the last three years is that, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that have a lot of preconceived notions about food. And then once they start adding food, they start to think, well, gosh, you know, I'm gonna gain so much weight or, or this and that. And 
the reality is is if you are um, really focusing on increasing your metabolism, the weight gain it's not it's not like zero, but it can be. We've certainly seen instances where when people start eating an adequate amount for what they do, they will lose weight. I think what happens for a lot of folks is if they were eating 12, 1300 calories, they'll tend to focus on like two or three pounds as if like, you know, that two or three pounds is going to stay with them for the rest of their life. Um, but when you think of someone that, you know, we've seen many people that we've taken eating 1300 calories that were supposed to be eating 2600 calories. And, and so, so they start eating 2600 calories, their sex life is better. Um, the the workouts are better I mean, literally everything in their life changes and then they, they want to focus on the two to three pounds and so um we we just try to get people focused on the fact that you know if you have a high functioning metabolism somewhere down the road we can look at strategic deficits but i think you know what people tend to want to do is they want to um, they haven't had a lot of success with dieting. That's why they've landed at Eat to Perform. And then, you know, they, they, they start to feel a lot better about themselves. Their relationship with food changes. Um, but in the end, they secretly want to diet, right? Um, at least that's what happens in the beginning. I say two to three months into your Eat to Perform journey, you start to realize, like, your whole damn life has changed. And uh, the idea of, you know, just jumping back into even a very short diet cycle actually um, seems like a net negative. Um, any, any thoughts on that, April? Yeah. Jumping back, you know, once you, once you know how it feels to be properly fed, jumping back into the, you know, the diet mentality or the deficits definitely is not very appealing. Um, you know, definitely not. And I agree with what you were saying about, you know, some people that are coming from the underfed background, ultimately that is what they want to do is, is diet, you know, and, you know, I think the, the key is to realize that, you know, where they're coming from, the calories, there is no magic of, you know, eating a thousand calories more the next day. And all of a sudden the, the fat's just going to start melting off. You know, it's, you know, it's years and years and years of, you know, repairing that you have to do, you know, over the course of a few months, you know, and if that's all it has to take is for a few months, you know, to get your metabolism at a, you know, at a healthier rate, then, you know, it all works out for you in the end. Well, I remember having a conversation with one of our clients and, you know, she was talking about the fact that, you know, she gained a couple pounds and then we talked about all these things that were going positive for her and stuff like this. And, um, and I, I just asked her, I said, you know, um, how long did you give low calorie, low, low, you know, carb a try? And she said, well, I've been doing that since I was like 15 years old. I said, well, can you give me six more weeks? <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't think that most people think, you know, one, I mean, we want people eating an adequate amount for what they do most of the time. But it's not like we're saying to you, you can never eat at a deficit eventually, right? And so we do stand in contrast with virtually everything out there. Um, I would say virtually everyone is saying the exact opposite but they don't have any real numbers. And so when we put someone in, you know, like for instance, let's say that you were going to just like a normal, you know, nutritionist or, or, or diet type person. Um, a lot of times they're going to give you numbers just based on averages. They, they're not going to give it based on how much you've been eating. And so people say, well, you know, why do you need to know how much I've been eating? Well, how else, would you come up with an actual deficit? How else would you come up with, you know, what the, the real plan is? And so the formulas that we use have been around for years, you know, um, certainly, you know, increasing metabolic function can be a tricky game for some folks, but, you know, in the end, you know, you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast or watching this broadcast or in this webinar if you were in a healthy spot in the first place, you know? And so I think that, you know, we all have kind of our demons that we have to deal with, but 
you know, when you talk about like the, just the various hurdles that everyone sort of goes through, and and I really do think that meal planning, you know, as much as I think that a lot of people think that meal planning is like the end all be all solution, and they could just figure out meal planning that you know they'd be shredded. And honestly, it doesn't really work like that, but it does provide you with light, you know, with a little left, less confusion in your life. One of the things that, um, you know, I've been kind of fond of talking about a little lately is that um, President Obama only owns two types of suits. He has, he has a gray version and a blue version. And he has like numerous versions of these two suits. And the reason why he has that is to eliminate like the confusion of thought, right? He either goes, today is gray or today is blue. And I think that's what meal planning does. You know, when you think of how stressful all of our lives are, you know, the meal planning does does give you some ideas. And so when you look at Eat Perform coaches as an example, and you go, man, you know, there's 60 people that do Eat to Perform, and you get to look at their food logs, I think that that's huge. You know, I think that that's something that really – doesn't exist. I mean, certainly there's templates on the internet, you know, you can find that type of stuff, but can you talk to that person, right? Can you, you know, have a conversation like, you know, can I use agave here or can I use honey or can I use, you know, um, Brussels sprouts because, you know, quinoa doesn't work for me. You know, I think those types of conversations are, are, are pretty huge. Um, any, any last thoughts before we sort of get off of, uh, meal planning? Um, Jenna did ask me what my fat grams are. Um, my fat grams typically go anywhere from 75 grams to hundred grams. They're probably more like hundred grams right now because I'm in, um, uh, more of a, a maintenance phase. Um, I would say on my workout days, I'm probably... I, on on my rest days, my fat grams are closer to 100. My workout days, I would say they're closer to 80 because um, I, I try to get mostly carbohydrates on those days um, so I could get muscle protein turnover, recover better. I actually did debate on having this one on super compensation, um, and, and it sounds like a really guilty conversation, but, you know, um, the carbohydrates that you eat tend to be more favorable as it relates to recovery because your muscles can use those more, more efficiently. It uses fat fairly efficiently at rest, and which that's one of the reasons why we suggest um, relying a little bit more on fats for your rest days. Um, any thoughts on any of that, April, before we kind of get into kind of the MyFitnessPal topic? And I have to say I agree with the suits. And I think a lot of a lot of times it's, and I am guilty of this, when you have too many options, it's you become undecisive. When you have too many options and you're like, oh, you know, what do I choose? What do I choose? You can't make up your mind and it takes too long. I think a lot of people that are new to meal planning have that same issue where they just they just don't know how to put it together it's like they know it all the food but there's just too many options and they just don't know so i think a lot of times it's just the simplicity of you know tell me what to eat or it's the simplicity of you know a lot of times they're second guessing and thinking you know if they eat the wrong thing they won't get the right results and you know and and things like that you know but you know I think the meal planning, you know, the, the group is, you know, it's awesome. You know, where else are you going to find, you know, high protein pancake recipes and, you know, cookies, you know, nice protein dishes and pretty much anything, you know, it's almost like a, it's almost like an interactive cookbook actually, which is kind of cool, you know. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, we have talked about cereal and cookies and stuff like this, but the majority of the dishes actually end up being, you know, kind of creative salads, um, different main menus, um, certainly, um, you know, crock pot type stuff. And I think that more than anything, it's, it's sort of empowering, you know, for people to have, you know, food available to them because let's think about it, you know, I mean, 
all of us are, um, when we don't have food prepared and it becomes overbearing and then your life becomes kind of hectic, you know, you will opt for the easiest option and that isn't always going to be something that fits what, you know, um, I don't want to say like good food, bad food, but you know, it's not always going to end up being the healthiest option. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're on this downward spiral and it really does come down to if you don't make it a priority, it doesn't happen. Right. And so what I, what, you know, I remember I actually had a conversation with one of our clients today and I was talking to her and, you know, we, we sort of started to run down cause she was very overwhelmed and um, we started running down all the priorities in her life. And, you know, it took her a while to get to food and health, you know, and really that needs to be first, you know, and if you put those things first, then of course, you know, some of the other stuff comes together a lot easier. I know that if I don't have food prepared and then, you know, something, you know, some pseudo emergency comes up, well, now all of a sudden I'm in trouble, you know, and it's a more stressful event for me. And so that's part of the big argument there. We haven't really been taking a lot of questions. Um, because we've tried to walk through this a little bit, but this is going to be one of the um, shows where, you know, we will, if it's, you know, on topic, um, someone say, how do you access the coach's food logs? Is that in the forum? It's not in the forum. Actually, it's in the meal planning group. Actually, actually, if you were to, um, look up any of the coaches on the forum, their food logs should be in their, their signature line. Yeah. There. Most of them have that there, but I would say that the good majority of people, um, every single day, you know, there are roughly, I think, four to five people posting um, their food log on that given day yeah. uh, in the meal planning group. Um, there's top 10 list, there's the drag and drop. So, so there's a lot of resources there. So, you know, I think what's happens for a lot of people is they start off with eat to perform. They get a lot of information. Um, but you know, and we, we are working on something to try and try and streamline that process a little bit, but one of the best resources is the meal planning group on Facebook. Um, and so that's where I think you'll find the most and most useful information. Um, the one argument that I would make is that go to files, you know, in the, when you're looking at it, you know, what I think happens is I end up looking at a lot of stuff on my PC or laptop. And so it's easy to find the files. Um, whereas if you're looking at it on an iPad or a phone, maybe it might not be as easy, but if you could, look for the file section. Um, I think that's where you'll find the most helpful information. Um, in terms of my fitness pal, uh, I would say, I mean, we're going, let's just assume that people know how to make their my fitness pal public and things of that nature, right? Um, and even if they don't, um, we are going to start putting out some videos and stuff like that to sort of show them. That's like basic level stuff that you sort of learn first day of each perform. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. What I want to spend a lot of time on, though, are the various like little ninja tricks. Um, and uh, what's your your go to my fitness pal? You know, there's going to be a lot of people that are watching this going, you know, that's really super simplistic. And then some people are going to go, that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. So um, what what do you like to go to that you think is the most useful? Um, I generally mostly log mine on my phone. Um, and for me, it's, you know, when you're first starting out and, and 
you know, I talk to people every day in regards to this where they're not accustomed to using it and they find it a little bit overwhelming. But if you, you can either do two things, you can either take an hour or two. And if you're like me and you eat the same kind of similar food groups of, uh, to some extent, you can take about an hour, an hour or two, and you can actually backlog the day before and you can add in just a whole ton of different food items that you're going to use repeatedly. So that's one thing. And then that way everything is all added for you and you're not overwhelmed with it taking you. Cause when you initially get started and you're not accustomed to logging your food, it can take you 10, 15 minutes, you know, just searching and verifying and things like that. So if you actually sit down and spend a little bit of time in inputting your, your foods, you can actually add them to your, let me look. You can actually add them to your frequent foods, or I think you can save it. You can save the foods and then it will be added as a regular entry. Um, so the thing for me is whenever I add, cause it literally takes me, okay, so you have, you have your recent, your frequent, my foods, and then meals and recipes. So if you have a basic recipe like you, Paul, with your chili that you make, you can just input the recipe in there, call it Paul's chili. And if it's something that you make every week or every couple of weeks, you know, you have it right there where when you go to log it in for dinner or lunch or whenever you eat it, you pull it up, pull up recipe. There's going to be Paul's chili, click it, serving size, and you're done. You know, rather than stressing about some people like to input everything in the recipe. I'm fairly basic in regards to I'll, I'll do the protein, carbs, fats, you know, of a recipe. I don't, concern myself with, you know, if it's got green pepper in it, I'm not going to concern myself with adding that, you know, but some people are, are kind of OCD about that. Um, but if you input your foods or if not, if you don't have time to do that, once you have a good week or two under your belt, everything will be saved in your, the, at least the recent or the frequency. So all you do is you, you pull up and say you're going to enter your lunch and pull up your frequent. And then it's going to have all this, those normal foods, pages and pages of foods that you like to eat. And if you click the, there's a double circle with a check. If you click that, it actually allows you to add multiple items at one time. So you basically can click that, add five or six items, click enter, you're done. Um, so that's probably the easiest thing for me. One trick, I am not tech savvy at all. <laughs> no surprise. Um, and I felt like a complete idiot because I did not know this for um, forever. And then when I found out, I was like, oh, my God, this is like the best thing ever. Um, a lot of times when you're using it on your phone and you actually have inputted a, a meal in, um, when you have inputted a meal in to actually go back and let me, let me pull it up. To go back and look at the macros on it, it can be kind of confusing. So if you take your your um smartphone and you flip it over to the side, it actually shows all of your detailed macros, the calories, carbs, fats, protein, sugars, things like that. So you can actually see your whole day total there without actually having to go down to the other tab and then go to nutrition and then go to the other page. So that was a key thing for me because, you know, I was like, how could I have not known this after all this time? <laughs> and all you got to do is turn it to the side. Um, so. That's an example that I think is really super helpful for a lot of people. But um, you know the um, you know the old hats are like well, I've known that forever. You know, but uh, what it does is it gives you the PC view. And actually, I think the phone is probably more useful than the PC. Um, I think it's just a little bit more intuitive. But um, but the PC has its value, you know, you can see it on a bigger screen. Um, so a couple things that, that I wanted to talk to before we get into like a couple other, you know, ninja type tricks. Um, veggies. And should you log your veggies? You know, that is a very hot topic. <laughs> this is one of these things that, that, that gets, you know, as a staff, you know, we sort of struggle with this type of stuff. There are people that, you know, don't find it all that helpful um, to log veggies because, you know, one of the things that April was talking about, you know, with the green pepper and, and, and various little things that makes it more tedious. The problem as you make something harder, you are less likely to use it as a tool. So, um, 
when I'm logging my food in general, I don't log my veggies because I know, you know, in general, I'm trying to stay under about 35 grams of fiber. And, uh, you know, I know what that looks like in terms of, of vegetables. I would say if you're new and new to eat to perform, you probably should log your vegetables. And the reason why I would make the argument for that is because there's a lot of you out there that are eating way too much fiber and it's ultimately hurting you because you know there's a lot of people that will say, oh my goodness, this is just so much food. Well, of course it's so much food. You're eating like you know three heads of broccoli every single day, you know? And so when you log that, Coaches can look at it and say, hey, look, you know, you're, you're going a little heavy on the broccoli here, you know. Um, similar can be said for sodium. Do I log sodium? No, not really, you know. Um, but I might sweat more than you do, right? I might work out more than you do. And so um, sodium is not going to be something that's going to affect me the way that it might affect you. And so a lot of times if somebody, you know, isn't used to uh, counting or they've been overly reliant on processed foods and they're not logging sodium, you know, well, they might be really, really holding on to excess of water. I haven't really seen too many people that have a huge, huge sodium issue, but I would argue that they don't have a sodium issue. They have a workout issue. You know, um, if you're sweating and you're doing like very vigorous activity, then you'll be able to get rid of, you know, your sodium issue. But if you're not doing near as much as, you know, somebody who can get away with a good amount of sodium, then, then it's, it's probably more, um, more important for you to log that. I mean, what are your thoughts there? Because I know, I know sodium is one of the things that you tend to, you know, kind of call people on a little bit more. Yes, I do call people out on it. Um, on, on occasion, you know, if it's a random day, not a big deal. Um, you know, but if it's a consistent trend and their, their weight is the scales a little higher than normal, um, I will recommend reducing reducing it. And I have seen, you know, generally depending upon the levels of sodium, I've seen females that carry, you know, five, six pounds of, of water retention. And I've seen males, I've, I've worked with a male, I worked with one before he was carrying 13 pounds that he dropped in two days. It was just sodium was just that high. Um, I track my sodium. I do not add things like I use pink sea salt in my cooking. I do not track that. I'm not that rigid about it, you know, but I do actually look at my fitness pal and look at, you know, the, the sodium in general and kind of track that and use it as a guideline. Some people, I agree with you that, you know, everybody's different. Some people sweat more. Some people need more. Um, some people are more sensitive to it as a general rule. You know, I, I'll never forget the, one of the, the calls that I had and, you know, I was talking to, you know, the, the coaching client in regards to her sodium. And I asked her, I said, well, when you wake in the morning and you make a fist, are your fingers tight? <laughs> she, this was just the funniest thing ever. She said, I usually don't make a fist when I wake up in the morning, <laughs> which made me laugh. But the next day she did it and she immediately contacted me and was like, oh my God, you're right. You know, if your fist is really tight and you have, I call them sausage fingers, then you're retaining water. You know, so that's always the true test for me. If I go out, you know, to a restaurant or anything like that, you know, and I know my sodium is pretty much blown for the day. The next day, true tell, true telltale test is always my, my hands are tight when I make a fist. And I've had days where, you know, I'll tell my husband, I'm like, oh my God, look at my fingers. You know, they look like sausages and he will agree. <laughs> you can tell. Um, in regard to the veggies, I log mine. Um, I do not log. We were talking about like the chili recipe earlier. I don't log veg veggies that are in like trace amounts, you know, that it calls for like a half a cup of green pepper or anything like that. I'm not that rigid, but I do log, you know, majority of my vegetables. I do not weigh them and I just eyeball them. Um, you know, I think weighing them is, is, it's just going to be another step that, you know, just go buy a cup, two cups, you know, whatever, for the most part, eyeball it just to get a general amount. Um, 
I mostly track mine specifically. I don't really have the fiber issue, but you know, I've tracked mine for the micronutrient, you know, issue where, you know, if you may want to get your iron levels up or anything like that, you know, you can kind of track, you know, overall with, you know, the, the veggies, things like that. Well, here's the other thing too. I mean, so I remember talking, having this conversation with Dr. Tracy Mann where we were talking about logging your food and, and she was making the argument that, you know, logging your food can be tedious and, uh, um, you know, kind of a burden over time. And, and, you know, you would have to be, um, it, it can, it can set up a bad relationship with food. And then I suggested to her, I said, have you ever logged your food trying to normalize or, or, you know, in kind of like this expansion mode where you're going from like a low calorie count to what your normal calorie count. And she admitted, you know, that, you know, she hadn't really heard of many people doing that. And one of the things I think April will admit this as well is when I'm not logging and I actually don't log near as much as April um, or really a lot of the other eat performers. Um, I tend to try to eat more freely, but uh, when I will start logging is when I start to suspect that I'm under eating. And um, one of the things that I can say to you guys, especially if you're coming from an underfed background, is when you're logging to try and fit more food in, it is infinitely more fun than, you know, the opposite way where you're restricting food. Um, but but you, you still, you know, you still feel like if you don't log, you under eat. Is that correct, April? Yeah, um, I have gotten, you know, by default, yes, um, I agree. And I'll still, you know, I'll still go back. Some days I don't complete my days, you know, because I've been doing this for so many years that I have a proper, you know, eye and a feel for exactly how much I eat. You know, obviously I know that if it's a day that I miss a snack or, you know, whatever, miss a meal, I know I'm going to be short. So I might go back in and, and plug everything in just to see where I need to fill things in at. Um, but yes, that used to be the big issue for me, you know, and I do think that over time, you know, a lot of people do get, you know, to that level where they, they have the proper fill in the eye, you know, to know the, the proper amounts that they need to eat and they can move to more of an intuitive way, you know, and I tell them all the time, that's ultimately, that's the goal. You know, if you're making progress and your you know, your performance is up, then you're doing it right. But obviously if you, you know, start going in the opposite direction that you need to go back in and log and kind of see where you're at, you know, see if you're under eating or overeating or, you know, cause it comes from, from both different directions. You know, some people that's like, how, that's how I do it. I, I still find it very helpful even to this day and very enlightening um, to log even occasionally, you know, because I do know, you know, I mean, I think the thing that is most interesting when you're logging from the standpoint of eating to your activity level is that you will often undereat if you're not prepared. And that's another argument for preparation. The one thing that I did want to talk to before we got too far away from sodium, um, there is the sodium-potassium relationship that I think we need to talk about because usually um, you can process um, sodium a little bit better if you're having potassium sources. Probably the best potassium source out there is potatoes. You know, um, leafy greens are also. But the problem that you run into with leafy greens is they tend to be fibrous, and so if you're over reliant on leafy greens, that can be kind of a net negative, um, bind you up, things of that nature. So you know, um, the big issue with potassium sources and, and the, the best sources of potassium is they tend to carry a caloric load. Well, guess what? In our instance, a caloric load is not bad. And so um, eating a good amount of potatoes, you know, I think that once you start to realize, you know, the amount of carbohydrates that you can actually get away with and, and how that allows you to perform, um, you know, in the gym and see a result. I mean, everyone always says, right, I want to gain muscle and lose fat. And we could have an argument about whether or not 
you know, you can actually do that at the same time. But if you're going to do that, right, you're going to want to have muscle protein turnover. You're going to want to allow some of those carbohydrates to process. One of the things that we hear a lot with Ecoform is, you know, um, oh, you know, I, I, I've been following the plan, you know, my workout days, I have 350 grams of carbohydrates, um, my workouts are great, I'm PRing everything, um, and then you go, well, you know, how are things going with your rest days? And they'll go, well, that day really doesn't, uh, you know, make that big of a difference. And, like, I have three rest days, you know, um, and, and oftentimes if you're struggling with bloated and weights up a little bit, you're not allowing the food to process and you're not allowing your body to adapt to the stimulus. That's actually what we talked a lot about in week two, where recovery is so, so important. And, um, you know, I've been actually showing a lot of pictures of my heart rate variability. Um, and what heart rate variability tests um, is, you know, first of all, your resting, resting heart rate, um, but also your ability to recover. And, you know, what's been interesting for me is, um, you know, it's made me much more conscious of eating an adequate amount on the days that I'm, I'm working out. But in particular, on some of my long endurance days, like as an example, um, I lift heavy one day a week. Um, I do some hypertrophy work. All of these things kind of like, you know, you're digging a little bit of a hole, right? And so you want to have that rest day so you can kind of fill the hole back in with, with you know, with some dirt and then hopefully like a little muscle tree sprouts, right? Um, and, you know, that would be a good thing. But what most people do you know, is they dig the hole and then they just keep digging and then they just keep digging and they're not allowing an adequate amount of recovery. And that's, that's really where, you know, fats and carbohydrates play a really good role because, you know, one, if you look at the carbohydrates and you look at the muscle protein turnover and feeling better to your workouts and things of this nature, but then you look at fats and you look at keeping hormone levels down, um, keeping hormone levels correct, uh, vitamin uptake, all these things end up being a super positive. Um, but also the um, the satiating effect of fats, you know, on those rest days that allow you to recover, I think is is super huge. One thing that when we talk about, you know, any level of carb cycling. People want to get too extreme with that kind of stuff. And one of the things that we've found is that the more extreme you get, the more it impacts the following day's workout. And so we like to keep your, your carbohydrates in the neighborhood of your um, workout days. So, you know, you don't want to have, let's say, 350 grams of carbohydrates on a workout day and then have 125 grams because it will just be too taxing for your system. Most people, you know, especially with activity trackers and a lot of people wearing Fitbits and stuff like this, um, you find that your workout days aren't vastly different from your rest days. And, you know, one of the things that, that we suggest um, that allows people to eat a little bit more flexibly is to make walking on your rest days a bit more of a priority and uh that allows for um a little bit more flexibility i know as an example on saturdays you know i tend to go for a little bit longer height because i like to eat a little bit more flexibly but it actually is a rest day for me and so a lot of times my my carbs on on saturdays you know aren't far different from my carbs on let's say Friday. Now I will say Friday is my long endurance day, so I am still trying to recover. And so oftentimes I will need some some carbohydrates even on that rest day, just as kind of a carryover effect from um, 
from the long endurance day. The one thing that I will say, I, I kind of got into it a little bit. Um, if you're a runner, um, I can tell you that weightlifting, um, even CrossFit, you know, these types of things, um, don't take as much out of you as running. At least that's what my experience is. And so, uh, you know, you need to allow for a little bit more rest and you need to allow for a lot of, a lot more food than you probably think is, is okay. Um, the other thing that was sort of interesting about your sodium thing, you know, whenever you go to like a nicer restaurant, um, I thought this restaurant was nice, but man, they were just like, it was, everything was super, super salty. So when I came home, I kind of had, you know, that bloated salty look, but man, woke up shredded. You know, I think people, people really underestimate carbs and sodium as it relates to nutrient uptake, because when we're talking about, um, what we're trying to teach you guys with Eat to Perform and, and, and ultimately um, how to um, get the most out of your workouts. Essentially what we're trying to do is take, you know, foods that's outside of the cell and load them into the cell and make the cells more useful. And, um, you know, some of what people will, you know, look at with a bloated stomach or, or they'll see those things as a negative, but, you know, it's really that excess that sort of allows you to explore. I mean, most people have explored the low end of things, but they haven't tried the higher end of things near enough. And one of the arguments that I often make on, on coaches' calls, one, you know, April and I both work on, a, as a team of coaches, and we have a, um, a group coaching program through Eat Perform where we do talk to privates. Um, where we do talk to clients on more of a one-on-one -on -one accountable type basis. And frankly, the people that are by like the, the group coaching and then just use the forums, they benefit so much from that information because we are able to, you know, talk to people and, you know, all of a sudden you'll hear three people talk about a similar thing on three separate calls. And then we think, well, let's bring that up in the webinar, right? So that usually ends up being a plus. But I think that, you know, for a, a lot of people um, that are looking for a little bit more hand-holding, that program tends to be kind of a good thing. Um, I, I, think the, I think the big thing is the accountability. You know, they have the accountability, and I think a lot of people do exceptionally well when they have some level of accountability, you know, someone to report into someone to talk to when they need to, or ask questions anytime, you know, they need to going back to the salt and carbs. I absolutely agree. Wait, 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 wait. I, I, I have to stop you for just a second because what you're saying is really super important there. Okay. Imagine a scenario where you have a team of people, including doctors that you can talk to on anything related to, you know, food, but also your workouts. So in that way, you get a lot of discussions about health from roughly, you know, I mean, on the group coaching team right now, I think we have something like 18 people and then two PhDs that are in that program. Um, that's a lot of resources that most people just don't have, you know, and like, I would put that up against anything out there, right? I mean, certainly there's, you know, some really super high level. I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, uh, an Olympian, maybe there might be a, a, a more, you know, one-to-one -one type stuff. But in general, I think what we're offering is, is about the best there is um, for something that scales real well. Um, but go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say the, the salt and carbs combination. Um, that's how bodybuilders, you know, plump their muscles up right before competition. You know, it's the, the salt combined with the carbs, you know, that's the magic trick. Yeah. So Jenna was asking, um, what about trace minerals? You know, this is actually a big thing that Mike Nelson talks about. And, and one of the things that I think sort of goes unnoticed, it's one, it's one of the, you know, 15 things that goes unnoticed when people start eating an adequate amount of food. Um, 
But oftentimes you will hear people say that, you know, people should take a multivitamin, whether they should or shouldn't, you know, that's sort of, you know, person dependent. But when you start eating an adequate amount for what you do, um, you will often end up getting more trace minerals, more, you know, vitamins, more, you know, of the things that you need because you're eating an adequate amount of food. So not only are you getting the, the, the vitamins that you're taking in through, you know, fibrous vegetables or something of that nature, but also in, in terms of protein, in terms of, you know, um, even like uh, uh, whey protein, as an example, has, has a high um, antioxidant value. So you get like these, a lot of positives by just eating an adequate amount of food. And, and you know, it's, it's sort of the opposite of everything that everybody says. And so, you know, you almost have to like shout it from the rooftops that like, hey, look, you know, um, the, the end game for all of us is to, to thrive, you know, to, you know, function well as a human being. And so um, the other trick that, uh, you know, I'd be remiss, it's my favorite trick. Nobody seems to be all that into it. But what's nice about um, having other public food logs is that you can actually go to April's food log as an example. And then you can use, I think it's called Quick Tools, and you can copy entries from every Eat to Perform coach. You can copy, you know, a meal that you like from their food log into your food log using Quick Tools. And a lot of people don't know about that. And I think that that's super helpful. Is it like the most helpful thing ever? You know, maybe not, but um, it's kind of a cool trick when, when you can do it, um, especially if you're kind of searching for, you know, meal ideas um, in the beginning, it's a good way to do it. I think the, the drag and drop tool that we have now is is awesome because you know not only can you just like sit there and look at what a meal you know one of the best things you guys can do is to plan your meals the day before you know um or like april said you know even almost days ahead and when you think about you know i i mean <laughs> i think about it all the time you know every family jokes about this you know where you know, if I ask my wife, um, you know, what she wants to eat for dinner, she never knows. You know what I mean? And so when you can um, plan your meals days ahead of time or one day ahead of time, um, it could potentially save your marriage. <laughs> I mean, I, and I'm, I'm kind of joking about that, but I, I'm sort of not joking about that because, you know, when you think about all the stress related to not knowing what you're going to be be eating and then preparing that and then who prepares it and stuff like that that tends to be fairly stressful so i would say the the biggest um success that i've seen from from new people starting out who are kind of new to logging is the a lot of times people would actually sit down like what you said plan plan ahead of time the day before they would actually sit down tonight and plan tomorrow's everything all meals and snacks and then uh, you can see it all over the forum in the coaching group in the meal planning group everywhere there's more and more testaments of people that say when i sit down and i plan everything in advance i stick to it when i have a plan i stick to it when i don't have a plan and i'm going into it blindly that's when you you know stop at subway or you know stop right. at the convenience store you know or just don't eat or under eat and then you you go home and you look and you're like oh shit i've got a thousand calories to eat how am i going to eat this you know so yeah. when you plan things in advance you know it kind of sets you up for success yeah i mean you know i mean i don't i don't mean to toot my own horn and i i'll toot your horn a little bit i mean when you look at most of the eat form coaches we do have a pretty good plan you know, when you look at, um, you know, April's workout routine, 
I have a pretty good idea what April's workout routine is because, you know, it's been the same thing for the last five years, you know, and when you look at, you know, how I work out, you know, I mean, today I had to do the Wadapalooza qualifier, which was sort of annoying because this is a day that I normally don't work out. And so it kind of messed with my program a little bit, you know, but, you know, in general, the more, you know, regimented you can be with certain things where it becomes a habit, you know, that ends up being a positive. And, and I think that that's actually one of the biggest values of, 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 you know, not just the coaching relationship, but the community relationship. And, um, you know, just that there's an expectation when you, when you look at everybody you need to perform, there's a, there's an expectation that we, we work out. You know, and um, I, I think that's a positive. You know, I definitely don't think that's a negative. Now, does that mean that we always work out? I mean, one of the, one of the recommendations that, that I, I mentioned to a client today, I asked her or I challenged her to just for the next two weeks to organize her life a little bit and, you know, kind of, you know, get a massage take a nap, you know, start putting herself first on the list because, you know, when you look at the way that I structure my walks throughout the day or, or, you know, my private time with my family and stuff like that, all those things are, are really important pieces of the puzzle. It's nice to have a good routine in place, but there's sometimes where you have to vary from that. And I think that one of the things that happens as we're talking about planning and stuff like this is it's not rigid. It's not something that if you do wrong, you've totally blown it, right? That's sort of the idea that we're trying to move away from where, you know, there is this rigid plan with this list of foods that you can't eat. And then if you eat one of those foods, boom, you're fat, right? that's not how it works, you know, and I would argue actually that the opposite is how it works, you know, that when you um, make eating an adequate amount of food, um, your real priority, then, you know, your life gets better as a result. So I think we're going to end on that note. Um, I think uh, we had some interesting things come up. Um, if we, if we, um, have some other things that come up in the meantime, maybe we'll try and add them to the meal planning group or, or post about them on the main page. But I appreciate everybody being here. April, do you want to say goodbye to everyone? Good night, everyone. All right. And we'll see you guys in the groups and forums and all that fun stuff. So talk to you later. Bye-bye.